0: Hey everyone, my name is Matthew Jensen. I'm the care pastor here at Journey of Faith. Now, while I'm speaking to you live from the Manhattan Beach campus, I just wanna give a big shout out to those of you tuning in from the Torrance campus, as well as those watching online from all around the world, including my family right now, who's over in Idaho watching. Um, Now today, we are in week two of a four-week series we're calling Conversations Along the Continuum. And we're using this diagram right here that represents where we may be at in our own spiritual journeys. As a refresher, and for those of you who missed uh, last week, uh, I'll do a rundown. Negative five represents the most anti-God, anti-faith people in the entire world. And as Pastor Alex mentioned last week, these kinds of people are very rare. As we progress from negative four to negative one, we see an increase in curiosity of all things God. And then zero is the point which we decide to follow Jesus with our lives. And then number one and two, we're learning the basics of the faith. On into three and four, we're maturing, we're growing spiritually, we're maturing in in the faith and our spirituality. And then number five, utter perfection. We've arrived, no other issues at all. This is Jesus himself, it's none of you. (laughs) Don't even try, not me either. Uh, Now, most hearing this message today, most of us will be in this positive one to positive four group. So the question for those of us here today then becomes this, how can we have better spiritual conversations with our friends, neighbors, and coworkers who are in the negative four to negative one areas in their own spiritual journeys? And this is a question for our entire series. Now, last week, we talked about how to have good, productive spiritual conversations on the topic of God. Yeah, small topic. Um, this week, we're asking ourselves this. How can we have spiritual conversations about the Bible with those who are within the negative four to negative one? Area. Okay, so elephant in the room. Let's just address that. When thinking about actually doing this when we leave here in our work, in our neighborhoods, and our friends and family, and all that, it can be really scary. So I get that, I want to call that out, but thankfully there are some very practical and simple biblical principles to help give us guidance on this. Let me give you an example to help set the mood on uh, one time I did this recently. Many of you know I'm a doctoral student currently in theology focusing on the treatment of trauma. Now, as part of this program, I have to fly out to Minnesota a few times a year and do an intensive, week-long intensive with my cohort, deep diving into some topic, way too much, and then when we eventually get let loose When our cage door is opened and we frolic out, delirious, um, I'm usually ravenously hungry and eating copious amounts of Excedrin. Um, My second to last trip there, one evening, um, I decided um, I need Middle Eastern food. I really need it bad, Um, after I took my Excedrin, of course. And so I found a place, um, an authentic Middle Eastern restaurant, not too far away, and it was great, and as I do sometimes, especially when I'm delirious and tired, I spoke. I, I I brought up conversations with everyone that I met, all the staff, the managers, everyone. I was curious. I was thoughtful. Um, I was, uh, you know, just really engaged with them. I was polite. I made them feel good about their profes- profession by being super thankful. I really enjoyed making them smile and making them feel good. Then, one waiter, the one that was assigned to me, found out that I was a Christian, and not only a Christian, but a pastor. And he said that, oh, they were all Muslims. It was a Muslim business, and everyone that worked there was traditional Muslims. And uh, now, my wife and I have done a lot of work with Muslims in the past. So I think I was more at peace with that tension than he was. Um, But near the end of my meal, though, he came over to my table and said that, they'd be closing soon, and that they were all gonna go to an Islamic lounge afterward. And he told me, he came up and said, let me get this right, we want you to come and speak to us about the Bible and Christianity. And then I was thinking, is that a statement or a question? (laughs) Am I just tired? (laughs) I'm like, Excedrin's in my veins, man, so let's go, I'm in. (laughs) So later that night, I was sitting in a circle or with 10 other uh, Muslim men and women talking civilly and even laughing. Now, some of you, I know, I got you, we may be like, like, what did the ceiling look like? Oh, it was this, right here, there's a ceiling. It's one of those times where I wanna take a photo, but I couldn't get it fast enough, so I just did it real fast, I was trying to get them, and then right back in the butt pocket, no one saw. Even though we had very different beliefs about God, about Bible, about Jesus, We had a great time chatting for two hours. Uh, In the end, they said I had given them much to think about, especially since they very rarely meet Christians who will meet them where they are. And that hit hard. So that's the kind of skill we want to work on together today. How can we be the types of Jesus followers who meet others where they are and have productive conversations? Paul, one of the first Christian missionaries, put it this way. Even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a servant of, servant to all people to bring many to Christ. Now, many of your Bible translations have slave here, but I think this is an instance where the connections we can make to the evils of American slavery aren't helpful. So given the authorial context and the literary intent here, plus our location in history that gets into, puts into account what Paul is really trying to um, communicate here, I change it to servant. That's what he was talking about given his context here. When we're asking ourselves how we can have conversations with others about the Bible who aren't Jesus followers yet, what Paul said here is so vital. It was a mentality that reminded him to focus on where the other is at more than on his own comfort level or his own personal desires. Now that's applicable to how we conduct ourselves across the board, isn't it? Um, But especially when getting in conversations about theology and spirituality, we've gotta really be mindful of this. So today we're gonna go over three guiding principles for how to do this when it comes to talking about the Bible. So before we go there, it'd be actually briefly helpful to briefly go over what the Bible actually is, wouldn't it? Um, I asked a new acquaintance of mine, Uh, The new AI that's fun and totally terrifying. I asked this. Describe what the Christian Bible is to non-Christians in an approachable way in one sentence. And the Terminator said this. The Christian Bible is a collection of sacred texts that holds teachings, stories, and moral principles central to the Christian faith. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, but like boring. Um, It's missing a lot of oomph, isn't it? Bad GPT, I like you. So let's go back to what one of the authors of the Bible actually said. They're writing actually in the Bible. Paul, he says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So right there in that that. One section of scripture, we see that the Bible is from God himself. It helps us to see what reality is. It keeps us on the path God created us to thrive in and God uses it to equip us for action. Now here at Journey of Faith, we have a few position statements on our website of what we believe about the basics of being a Jesus follower. Now when it comes to the Bible, we have this. We believe the Bible is fully inspired by God. Without error in the original manuscripts, and the supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct. So, like basically what Paul said, just said it in a different way. Now, some of you may be thinking, "So we believe the Bible is true because the Bible says it's true." And some else, someone of you else, maybe say, "Yeah," but I gotta tell you, when we're talking to Christ, when we're talking to people who are not Jesus followers yet, that has a tendency to utterly kill any conversation progress we can have with them because it comes off as circular logic. Before we quote from the Bible, we may have to back up and explain why we think it's a credible source to begin with. And for many of us, that may mean we have some homework to do this week. So I definitely encourage you to study on your own why we believe the Bible is a reliable source to know and learn about God from. We talked a lot about this in our Lenses series a few months ago, but the Bible also called the scriptures, is a library of 66 different books or letters comprising of many different genres written down between 1400-ish BC on into the second century AD. And there are many reasons we believe it's reliable, but here are just three key reasons. Number one, archaeology. All of our advancements in archaeology and archaeological digs and, and, and all this stuff only acts to confirm the reliability of the Bible. And you know, time and time again, uh, it, just, it just confirms that many people have tried to use archaeology to disprove the reliability of Scripture, but it just, it just keeps showing that the beauty, that there's a beauty behind the text, a real world that we can see now and feel and read. I've studied Archaeological archaeological stuff from you know six thousand BC on into the second century AD, and I've seen a lot of different things, and it's so beautiful, um, especially our recent advancements in archaeology. Number two, manuscripts. Of the New Testament alone, we have six thousand super duper early copies of the original manuscripts, and all of them are ninety nine point five percent identical, with the differences mainly being spelling. Right, uh, some guy a few months ago contacted the church, he was from a different state, and he was trying to call different churches and disprove Jesus and the Bible and everything, so I'm like, yeah, bring it, uh, let's talk. Um, and he said, you know, the, the original manuscripts that we have, of those 6,000, they, they don't mention that Jesus says that he is the only way to God, in John 14, 6. And I said, yes, literally all of them have him saying those exact same words, that he is the only way to God. I'm pretty sure he legit said it. So when we're thinking about this, the, the spelling difference is it's kind of like the tomato-tomato debate. Like however you choose to call it a tomato or a tomato, it's roundish, it's red, and it's gross. Right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, number three... States. the various parts of the New Testament were written down by eyewitnesses themselves in a time when other eyewitnesses could have discredited them, but they didn't. Actually, even those who were against the Christian movement, against Christians, against Jesus, trying to disprove everything, we even have them recorded in history saying, yeah, what the Christians say, what their writings say happened actually annoyingly happened. It is what it is. We just don't like it. Okay, fair enough but it haven't. Uh, okay, so now friends, all of that is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg to kind of whet your appetite to do your own studying on it this next week. We believe that the Bible is accurate and reliable and our God's supernatural words to us on who he is and how he made us to thrive. The more grounded we are in trusting the Bible, the more be, we'll be able to communicate it with others and, t- and have productive conversations about the Bible with others. So that then leads us to the question, okay, how, right? Okay, well, let's revisit the question that we raised earlier. How can we have better spiritual conversations with our friends, our neighbors, and our coworkers who are in the negative four to negative one areas in their own spiritual journeys? I have three guiding principles to help us get started on this when talking to people in this area. So here's the first, start where they are. Now, this may sound brutally obvious, to some of you who've been in the Christian game for a, a while. But in many times, I've noticed, with the best of intentions, we can still make a lot of our interactions more about us than the other person. Have you noticed this? Stop hitting your spouse right next to you. I can see you now You're nudging the, nudging the person. We all do this, right? We all, because this is the case, we should always be conscious of it and be like Paul who intentionally reminded himself that he was servant of all. One example is this, of this uh, was when I recently spoke to a local engineer. I know, an engineer in the South Bay. What? Right? <laughs> True story. <laughs> we met through a friend of a friend of a thing, and he found out I was a pastor, and he wasn't a Christian. Off to a great start. Uh, he wasn't against the Bible thing, but he was curious. He was like a negative one in our range visual, and I asked him, you know, what... What are your specialties? What what excites you? And which led to the topic of quantum physics? Of course, of course, you'd be interested in physics. And he said, I'm science-minded. I need proof and logical explanations of something before I can believe in it. I guess that's what stopped me from believing the Bible is actually from the divine. Okay, what do I do? Stop. What do I do? Uh, some of you may be thinking, give him the meat of scripture. No, no, false, stop it, everyone be cool. Uh, where is he coming from? What excites him? Let's start there. That would probably be a better. Um, now, in this case, he happened to love studying something called, I, I happen to study, uh, love studying something called quantum entanglement, which is a branch of what he's passionate about. Um, where two particles get linked in such a way that even separated by large differences di- uh, distances, they stay linked as one, right? Changes spin on one and information travels faster than the speed of light and affects the other seemingly instantaneously. I know, it's so cool. Um, nerd explanation done. But I said to him, okay, so let's take entanglement, for example. We can observe that information can travel through the universe faster than the speed of light, making two particles at vast distances appear as one. Now you probably know that Einstein didn't think it was possible. We can observe it happening now. We don't understand it, but there's definitely something more to the fabric of the universe holding it all together. Now you know I'm a pastor, so Bible is kind of my thing, but there's a verse in Hebrews that mentions that God sustains the whole universe by his very involved power. You mentioned earlier that you think it's a great hypothesis there must be a kind of divine. Now, I'm telling you that quantum physics points to that divine, and the Bible points to that as well. Actually, physics and science and the Bible are complementary, and they all point to the same divine God that I'm telling you uh, is, is, uh, is, is, is Jesus himself. Go figure. Uh, now, we had a great chat, and he walked away with a little more awe and wonder than he had prior remember, we may be just one stepping stone along someone 's journey to God, like we don 't have to like close the deal that instant, so much as speak to them where they 're at in a way that they can hear, because too many Christians don 't let 's be different if they 're passionate about science, start with god 's involvement with the universe, and then move to the Bible. Man, if they're passionate about flowers, start with where the awareness of beauty came from and then move to the Bible. If they're longing for something more, start with a question of why we have that longing to begin with as just as fellow humans and where it leads to and then move to the Bible. To have great conversations about the Bible, we must start where they are. And sometimes that may mean putting our agenda, our speed and strategy on the back burner and meeting them where they are so they can feel seen and heard and understood by someone who actually just maybe represents the true God of compassion and love. One place in the Bible that is modeled absolutely beautifully is uh, Paul in Acts 17. There Paul's in front of a whole bunch of people who were searching for God and he talked to them from where they were coming from. They were Philosophers and they loved poetry. So Paul used philosophy and poetry that they were familiar with. They loved big ideas, so he used intriguing thoughts about God to move their interest forward. And you know what? They even invited him to speak again because they couldn't get enough of this guy. I encourage you to read it this week and learn from him and see if you can pick out his strategy, and uh, we have a lot to learn from this story. So here's an action step for us this week. Think about... Two key friends in your life, and what interest they have that you could use to connect to a conversation about the Bible. Where would this be at? It could be at a barbecue uh, with friends or neighbors. It could be lunch at your workplace. It could be volleyball on the beach. It could be during a break at pickleball for those of you who play tennis light. (laughs) Get creative. But remember, we can know everything about the Bible study the deepest things and memorize a whole bunch of scriptures, but if we can't communicate it to people where they're at with who God calls us to represent him and spread his loving message to, then what good is all of our knowledge? So start where they are. Number two, stay prayerful. This doesn't mean that while you're, they're talking, you just break out and say, dear Jesus, and they're like... "Are you?" Are you you listening, what are you doing? Uh, Let's not be that, that's weird, don't be weird. But the Bible does tell us this, pray without ceasing. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. What does that mean? I come uh, alongside people in my role who are going through a lot of crisis and trauma and just general hardship. Often, they don't have the words to pray. They're too hurting. I don't know if you've been there. And I tell them that prayer is much more than a verbal language. We read in the Bible that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in ways that are deeper than words, so sometimes prayer is just about cultivating a posture of quiet awareness to God's Spirit, of surrendering and listening. So when we're facing the possibility of talking to someone about the Bible, which can be a scary idea, Staying prayerful in a conversation is about posturing our hearts to a deep awareness of God's spirit within us, surrendering and listening to God while we listen to the other. A while back I was speaking to a small group of people who just got out of gang life. They weren't Christian, but they were hesitantly curious. They were in like the negative two to negative one area of our visual here. Uh, Now, while maintaining a prayerful posture in our meeting, the Holy Spirit revealed to me a deeper pain that they weren't verbalizing. They all had in common a distrust of the Bible because it spoke of a God who cared and took care of his children, and there's a disconnect for them there, and I represented, as clergy, that weird God. So in a microsecond, I asked God silently, give me your words. Help me be less take over even me right now for them. And you know what? God came through. I met them at their level, which is admittedly a psychological tool, but I sincerely brought God into it in the depths of my soul at the same time. He revealed to me in that meeting the hurts below the surface that weren't initially, uh, they weren't initially willing to open up about. So I spoke of how the Bible tells us that, yeah, the world will chew you up and spit you out, but there's a God who really has your back. He sees you. He grieves for you. And though people in your life haven't loved you, he actually does. The world's a broken place, and I know too. But my God is one of healing and restoration. He sees the best in you even when no one else does. Man, many tears were shed in that meeting because I dialogued prayerfully and you won't believe it but three of those people gave their lives to Jesus at that same right right then and the other seeds were planted one thing that's common that stops us though from staying prayerful in conversations is this our desire to control the situation at its base level we desire control when we doubt that God's control is better If that hits you, I'm with you. I have a lot of control issues. Just ask my wife, and she'll tell you. But I've learned that we can work on relinquishing control by staying prayerful one step at a time in everything we do, practicing, practicing. Then when we have conversations with others who God sends our way, we can say to ourselves, I can surrender and listen to God's spirit here because I'm practicing when I do the dishes, when I do the laundry, when... I drive with my car with the radio off in the stillness before bed. Then our interactions with others become less about us and more about how how God wants to use us to minister to that person or to that group. Let this be our mantra, more of him, less of me, always. So here's an action step for us this week. Practice a prayerful posture in one task you haven't considered spiritual before. God isn't just with you on Sundays. He's with you every second of every day, inviting you into a deeper relationship with him. So the more we we cultivate this prayerful awareness, the more he'll speak through our interactions with others as just a byproduct of that closeness we have with him. Okay, so start where they're at. Stay prayerful. And third, be authentically human. Like, be yourself. Like, relax. (laughs) Pastor Alex touched on this last week. And it's so important. I think we run into a whole lot of inner strife when we pretend to be somewhere or not. And then it hinders any kind of deep discussion, a true deep discussion that we can have with anyone else because we have that facade going up. And religious people drive me completely nuts. And if they're overly religious people, and so if overly religious people drive me nuts, I'm pretty sure when talking to people in the negative four to negative one area, it drives them nuts even more. Like relax, be human. <laughs> breathe, right? Um, It shuts the door fast. But what I mean here is that it's about being willing to be vulnerable, facing and accepting our own brokenness. And we all are basically our humanness and much more than just saying like being honest, much more than just being honest, being authentically human in our conversations is about seeing ourselves as we are and then leading and speaking and being from that humble and realistic perspective. It makes a difference. One more story. Before the pandemic hit, um, I was on Friday and Saturday nights, I was a bouncer at the Hormosa Saloon. Um, Before St. Rock picked me up for a little bit, right before the world hit the fan, um, everything shut down. I remember one interaction though, um, way back, Uh, there was a breath of fresh air and nothing like the strife I had to handle come midnight. There was a well-dressed middle-aged guy who was sitting at the bar. He had his beer half empty for a half hour and he was just like, like sitting there like, like, I don't, don't, my mic, like, like this, right? Like so bummed. Like you could tell he was like full of grief. And so there were no fights to break up or anyone to take out. So I figured I'd just go over to him and shoot the breeze and see what's up. Uh, and after saying, you know, hey man, what's up, you good? He opened up that he had everything he wanted in life. He was an entrepreneur with a successful business, a house on the beach, money, and nanny, kids in private school, a great wife, reputation, status. And I said, I'm so, I'm so sorry, man, I could see why that would get you down. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed. And I said, you know, it's going to trip you out, but I'm actually a pastor a few blocks down. Do you want to actually talk about it right now? And oh, man, I stepped on a landmine. That set him off about how he hates all organized religion, especially Christians, because they're so hypocritical. He said, how many stories do we read about the abuse from church leaders? Oh, and then I intentionally became authentic, met him uh, where he was at, stayed prayerful, while also watching the joints, no one misbehaved, of course. Um, but I said, man, it, it disgusts me too. The God of the Bible is nothing like the abuses and the hypocrisy that you see many of his followers doing. And not only does it anger and upset you and I, it angers and upsets God himself. Man, I am with you I tapped into a general nausea I really have as a man and a pastor and let that seep out into my conversations with him. And you know what? It formed a bridge between he and I. I remember then saying later in our conversation after we talked some more, you know, I've learned that we have a longing deep within us that we think other things around us can fill. But no matter how much we gain, no matter how much we achieve, no matter how much we earn, that longing is still there for like something more. He was like, yes, that's it, that's exactly how I'm feeling. So I told him about how the Bible says he has planted eternity, all of eternity in the human heart and how one old theologian, uh, St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Because I met him where he was at, stayed prayerful, and was human alongside him, he ended up considering the truth of the Bible and said he was going to pick it up again in the morning from a bouncer slash pastor in a bar late at night. Go figure. Friends, if God is with us, everywhere is sacred ground. And if that's the case, he is in full control. Here's an action step for us this week. In one conversation this week, let the Bible inspire you to seek connection vulnerability if we want to have meaningful conversations about the Bible with people who are in the negative four to negative one area we have to be human with them and I know that can be scary especially if deep down we believe that we have to be a certain way for others to accept us but that only leads to being a fake version of ourselves rejecting who God made us to be and then hindering our own spiritual progress it has very personal ramifications these walls and masks that we put up A lot of the stories that I shared have, those are things that God made me a certain way to do, right? God made me a certain way to reach certain kinds of people for his glory. And he made you, each of you, a certain way to reach certain kinds of people for his glory. People that I wouldn't be good ministering to. In the times God leads us to minister to others, it benefits us and them to be our authentic selves, the people that God made us as. And that takes vulnerability, that takes courage. That's what I tell people, it takes holy grit. That's where the rubber hits the road. So let's practice that together this week. All right, so let's review. As followers of Jesus, we're called to have the heart of Jesus, which means having meaningful, meaningful conversations with those who are in this negative section here. Many Christians prefer uh, to live in a holy huddle, right? With others in the positive section who are also Christian all the time. But God calls us to participate with him in representing his heart with the spiritually lost and the seeking in beautifully creative ways and in ways that he particularly equipped and gifted you to do. So considering this, we asked ourselves, how can we have spiritual conversations about the Bible with those who are within the negative four to negative one area? And practically, we learn to do this by, number one, starting where they are. Number two, staying prayerful. And number three, being authentically human. We often like to make this out to be way more complicated than it needs to to, to be, but I found that there's actually a depth in its simplicity, you know, the actual way that God created it and created us to thrive and join him in ministry. So we can all begin practicing this better this week. Let me close with a question. Why are you listening to this message today? I go way back. What motivated you to begin a relationship with God and study the Bible in the very beginning? Or if you're currently in the seeking and curious phase, What motivated you to go so far as to attend this church service, either in person or online? Chances are it was a person in your life, a follower of Jesus way back when they met you where you were at and and communicated the reality of the Bible through their interactions with you. If that's you, remember that person this week in your life. The great news is that God is inviting us to be that person in someone else's life. Many speak of meaning and purpose and fulfillment in life, but we find that those things are answered in the God of the Bible who invites us to play a role in what he wants to do in and among us. God's got this, so let's choose to follow his lead.